Uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to turn there, we'll be taking some scripture out of the book of Deuteronomy. We'll be looking at Deuteronomy uh, first in chapter 6, and then we're going to step back to chapter 5. And we'll start reading at about verse 4. Uh, and if you've never sat down and read the book of Deuteronomy, I highly recommend it. It's uh, kind of Moses' uh, swan song, so to speak, that uh, he's given the last dispensations to the nation of Israel before that essentially they're going to have to go on without him. And uh, at, at one point in the book, he assures them, look, you're going to go on. I'm not going to be with you, but God will. And, uh, you know, we need to know that, that regardless of what happens in our life, that God is with us. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to read a little bit from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 here as well, because uh, what I want to minister on this morning is about following the commandments of God. And we got to remember that in this day and time, especially modern Christianity, a lot of times wants to heavily discount what's said in the Old Testament as though that it's been invalidated because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And of course, we know that uh, where sin abounds, uh, Christ's grace did that much more abound. And it's such a good thing, but at no point did Jesus look around and say, I've come to do away with the commandments and the law. In fact, he said the opposite of that when he looked at him. He said, you think I've come to do away with the law? He said, I've come to dot the I's and cross the T's. That he came to, to show them that where the level they thought it was at, it wasn't even there. And here in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses sees fit to review the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, and then there's a commandment here in, in, in chapter 6 that we're getting ready to read in which that it kind of sums up all of the commandments. But you'll notice that Moses starts out here in chapter 1, and I'll read it. Um, and we'll start reading at verse 26 in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, about Israel's refusal to enter Canaan land. Now, if you know how that it went, they left Egypt. They spent some time uh, there in the wilderness making their way and went to Mount Sinai and they had to fight a couple of battles and things like that. And then they come to the border of Canaan. They send spies in to search the land out. The spies come back and give the report and everybody says, oh, we can't go in and we can't take it. And because of that, now God told them, Go in, it's yours, I've given it to you. And a lot of times now, God wants to bless us, but a lot of times we just can't see how the blessing's going to happen, but we've got to trust Him to be able to bring it about. And I want you to notice as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 26, it says, Notwithstanding, ye would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Verse 29, Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, He shall fight for you according to all that He did in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came to this place. Yet ye did, yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, and fire by night to show you by what way ye should go, and in cloud by day. And ye heard the voice of the, your words, and 
And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give to their fathers, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou shalt not go in thither. That you'll notice, and, and we could continue reading there, but uh, uh, that Moses was basically going back over what had happened. This is at the point that they're kind of in the 40th year of wandering because they had refused to go in, and that was God's punishment to them uh, because that they refused His blessing and refused to listen to Him and refused to believe Him. And in this day and time, in 21st century United States of America, I can tell you that we need to be real careful about the commandments of God and actually following them. And and, uh, let's turn on over now into Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That commandment's still valid today, but a lot of times people run around and they say, oh, you don't have to worry about those Ten Commandments. Uh, And the one that I in particular want to talk about today uh, is the fourth of those Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, You'll find it in the previous chapter there uh, in which God says, remember the Sabbath uh, to keep it holy. Uh, Now a lot of times people say, uh, well, that means to go to church on Sunday. Uh, Let me tell you this, uh, it means a lot more than that. Uh, remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy uh, is a lot more about enjoying God's rest uh, uh, that God wants us to rest uh, and it's well found that a person if they don't learn how to rest uh, uh, it severely impacts their health uh, uh, that a lot of times we find ourselves uh, uh, too busy uh, uh, and can't sit down and rest in what God is saying uh, when he gave that fourth commandment as he said look you've got six days to work in uh, and on that seventh day uh, he's said I hallowed it I did my work in six days created everything and then on the seventh day I took a rest and now here in modern Christianity we don't really observe the Sabbath as the Jews held it that would have been Friday night at sundown all the way until Saturday at sundown we hold it as the day the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave Sunday the first day of the week but I can tell you this whatever day you pick it needs to be a day of rest and renewal and that doesn't just mean you know that that if you really took it to the nth degree if you really took it to the level that the Israelites did, and, and I've met lots of people over the years uh, they say you know and they're very dogmatic about adhering to the fourth commandment oh you ought not mow your grass on Sunday it'll all die that's not true Okay, that, that's just something people say. Or that they'll get on to somebody and say, Oh, you ought not work or do thus and such uh, on Sunday. Uh, and yet, if you really take it to the extent that those same people do, then you ought not light a fire, uh, uh, which would mean you better not stick the key in the ignition of your car and start it up. Uh, uh, that a lot of things, if we get nitpicky, uh, uh, that we could just beat somebody to death with all of these things. Uh, uh, but rather understand that what God set aside... Uh, Uh, for one day a week uh, uh, was for a day of rest, uh, a holy day uh, uh, that we would dedicate to Him uh, with no distractions uh, uh, because if it was just absolutely no work being done on the Sabbath, 
then why is it that the ministers, they work on the Sabbath? I'm working right now doing the work of the Lord. Uh, uh, the priesthood, they worked on the Sabbath day. Uh, uh, that it wasn't just so uh, uh, that somebody could just be beat down, but it was rather so that they could enjoy the good things that God has for them. All ten of the Ten Commandments, what they're really about, uh, is saying enter into the joy of the Lord. Uh, uh, because you'll notice uh, uh, that what we just read was they were talking about uh, loving God with every bit of your being. Uh, And the thing is, if you really study the law, uh, the Mosaic law, there was more than just one, there was more than just the Sabbath of the week. There were yearly Sabbaths. There were Sabbath years. That if you study, and you know, I studied this recently about the year of Jubilee. And I thought, man, what a time. You know, that every Seventh year, God commanded the Israelites, once they came into the land of Canaan, He said that the seventh year, don't plant your fields. Now you imagine actually doing that. What faith it would take because God said uh, uh, that in the sixth year, I'll give you enough to sustain you for the, for the remainder of the sixth year, all of the seventh year, and until the harvest of the eighth year. That was really stepping out on faith. Uh, uh, but God told them, let your fields lay fallow. Uh, don't plant them. And we know now uh, uh, through crop rotation and things like that, uh, that you have to let the land rest. Uh, and God was telling them, let your land rest. Uh, he's telling you, when it comes to the Sabbath day to rest and rest in Him. It'll keep. The things that we think we have to do, we may not necessarily have to do. I can tell you this, that a lot of times in life we get caught up in this. And if anybody's ever transgressed this commandment, it's me. When I started out working as an adult, I worked almost every Sunday through the summer. I worked for the Corps of Engineers. And I remember thinking about that every time. And I remember though, that even though I didn't work a full eight hours, not having a single day off, that gets rough on a person mentally, emotionally, and then physically. And it was as though that God knew what he was doing when he told him, you've got to rest because uh, uh, if you look, and it's in verse 12 of chapter 5, I want you to notice uh, uh, what it says. And he doesn't just, it's not as short as what we often think of it. It says in verse 12, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy servant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commandeth thee to keep the Sabbath day. <laughs> that there's a lot more to it than that, you know, that if you, you really wanted to quote the Scripture about all that, you'd probably have to spend a little time memorizing it. Uh, but essentially what he's saying is, look, uh, you know what it's like to be servants. Uh, you know what it's like to be given commandments. Uh, and what he's saying is now when it comes to the Sabbath day, uh, it has to be a time of rest. And look unto the Lord. As you notice, he said, remember when you were in Egypt and you were servants and God brought you out. 
Well, of course, we've never been in that situation. But on the Sabbath day, do we stop and think about all the good things that God's done for us? Do we find... And you know, I, I had to change my whole attitude. And I've fallen into this on more than one occasion. Aware that coming to church is a chore. Where that you almost feel like, well, God ought to give credit for this. And I remember that when we wasn't able to have service because of the pandemic and everything, I myself got a little too used to not coming out to the house of the Lord. Uh, uh, thinking, oh, I've got Sunday to myself. I can do whatever I want to do. Uh, rather than sitting down and reading my Bible. Uh, rather than meditating upon the Lord. Uh, and I can tell you that's wrong. And it's just the same thing uh, as a lot of people nowadays are running around and they're pointing the finger at other people. This guy over here is a liar. That guy over there is a thief. Uh, this one over here comes. And we look around and we don't say, but who's keeping the Sabbath? Who's remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy? And, and you may say, oh no, no, Brother Jeremiah, that's not that big of a deal nowadays because of Christ. You remember Christ said, I come to dot the I's and cross the T's. And that yes, we're still called to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And what does that look like? Number one, it should be a day of rest. I don't know what rest looks like for you all, but for me, it's just time spent relaxing. And that time should be consecrated to God. I'm not saying don't watch a little TV or something like that, but what I am saying is spend time with the Lord. And it's the day that we have that we come out to the house of the Lord. And we should be glad in that. That a lot of times, this Sabbath day mentality needs to be in our attitude that we know it's a rest in the Lord. I know personally, a lot of times that my day of rest would look like I get to sleep till noon. And I can, I'm never more able to sleep in than it seems like I am on Sunday. But I'll tell you this, if I can get up on Monday for the Wayne County Board of Education to go educate some students, then I can get up on Sunday and go out to the house of the Lord and have a good attitude about it. To be glad to come out. To, to be glad to raise up holy hands before Him. Uh, uh, to be glad to do His work. Uh, because you'll notice, uh, if you remember in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus and His disciples were walking along, uh, uh, and, and they were uh, grabbing grain as they went along and rubbing it between their hands and everything, and chewing it up, uh, uh, that the Pharisees kind of jumped out of the bushes and pointed at Him and said, Aha! Your disciples are transgressing the Sabbath. And they did this continually. You know, they would beat people over the head with the Word of God. When Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, they stopped him on the way to the house because he was carrying the mat that he'd been laid upon. They accused him of doing work. And Jesus looked at him and he told him, Look, you don't understand. It's not that man was made for the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath was made for man. And then what Jesus said essentially in all of his ministry was he said, You need rest, and you need to be able to rest in him. Because you think about it, I remember my early adult years, and I wasn't a Christian. I was going to Cabell County Career Center, making a trip there three days a week every evening. I was going to night school to be a mechanic. And I would take off down the road, and I'd learned very early on in my driving experience that number one, I wasn't that great of a driver, and number two, you can't predict what's going to happen next. And you hear me mention it a lot in my testimony, uh, how thankful that I am that God watches over me and keeps me from accidents and things like that, because as I said, it's not my ability. 
And I remember making that trip and thinking, you know, the odds are making a trip this long. And at that time, there was all kinds of accidents. In the early part of the 2000s, there was all kinds of accidents on I-64 between uh, the 5th Street exit and Barbersville. Lots of crossover accidents and things like that. And I'd take down the road. I had a, an F-150 pickup and I'd take down the road in that. And I'd think, man, better be watching and watching real close. There's an accident, and there were three accidents three different times that happened right in front of me. And by the grace of God, I wasn't involved in any of them. One of them was somebody coming across going the wrong way on I-64, and I seen him go by me. That was how close that I was to him. Now you imagine spending all your time worried about dying. Worried about what's going to happen next. Knowing that you can't control what's going on in your own body. Uh, uh, much less what happens out there in the world. And that's where I was at during that time. Uh, and I remember during that time that I give my heart to the Lord. Uh, and I remember making that same trip. Uh, and saying I have no more of a guarantee. Uh, of whether or not anything bad will happen to me. Uh, but what I do know uh, is that if I leave this world. Uh, my soul is spoken for. Uh, and that's the kind of rest that you need. Uh, is the rest in Jesus Christ for what He has for you. He literally said, Come unto me, all ye that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How important is rest? Well, my mother one time when I was overworked told me, Son, even the Lord rested on the seventh day. And I thought, my goodness, I probably need to take some time for me. And we do. That, that's absolutely important. Science proves that. The, the medical community say you've got to rest at some time or another. And I'm not just talking about getting a good eight hours at night. I'm talking about unplugging from the burdens and things of the world. And I can tell you that God, what He's saying in all of these commandments, what He's saying is, enjoy what I have given you. Enjoy my blessings and enjoy them because that you know that I am God and beside me there is no other. Because the very first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that includes your own belly. That includes your own desires. That you'll find that Jesus in His obedience to the commandments of God that He put aside self continually. But He would still rest. He would still take time. It says He would get up early and pray. He would still rest in the Lord and he still served God diligently. Because I, I think that a good portion of the Christian community, they're able to take care of most of those last six of the Ten Commandments. Honor the father and mother and all the thou shalt nots. Don't steal, don't kill, don't lie. You know, we may even have a reasonable handle on thou shalt not covet. That's the one that usually gets everybody. I don't care how good you are. But the thing is, is you can have an academic understanding of every bit of this and still miss the point. And if you don't believe me, just look at the Pharisees. They knew the law forwards and backwards. And when they were faced with Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and they looked at Him, all they ever used it for was to accuse somebody else. And the one time that they come to Jesus for judgment, when they brought this woman before Him, who was caught in the very act of adultery, all He did was said, look at your own sin. Look at yourself. Look where you stand. Because the, remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, you think that's a one day a week sort of thing? Do you find yourself looking forward to the Sabbath day? 
You should look forward to the Sabbath day like you look forward when you have a vacation. And you're counting down the days. Or like uh, I've noticed all my coworkers seems like on Monday they're not in the best spirits on Friday, and especially in the afternoon, they're all in great spirits because they know, hey, we get a couple of days off, we get the weekend and all of these things. Do we look forward to the Sabbath like that? Or is it an attitude issue? And you may say, well, Brother Jeremiah, I think I've got a handle on that. Well, that's good. I hope you do. Make sure it stays that way. All of these things are maintenance between your relationship with God and your relationship with man. And a lot of times, though, we look around and say, well, I might not remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, but I'm not a murderer. I don't lie. I don't steal. I'm not an adulterer. But the Scripture says if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. And how easy it is to look around and point a finger at somebody else and to look around at somebody else. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing when they brought that woman to Jesus. And Jesus said, look at yourselves. Look first at yourselves. Look for perfection in yourself. And if you see it there, then look for it somewhere else. Uh, uh, because the big problem is, is we're living in a world uh, where the people only want to pick and choose what commandments they follow. Rather than saying, you know what, God, I've broken all of them. I look at these commandments uh, and it's real easy to look at them and say, I'm good here and put a check mark next to it. Oh, and I'm good on this one and put a check mark next to it. Even at that, let's say you're like what the Apostle Paul said he was. You remember his pedigree that he gave in Galatians? When he said that I was circumcised on the eighth day. Man from the tribe of Benjamin. Not one of those lost tribes now. A legitimate tribe. Circumcised on the eighth day. And that was significant. Because a lot of people couldn't get to the temple at that time. Said he was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. And on and on and on. He lists off his pedigree. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. On the fast track to be the high priest. He said but when he met Jesus. He found out what a covetous man that he was. He thought that he was keeping all of the law. And you know, after that he met Jesus, it says that he went and he searched the Scriptures. Went and read through the Old Testament and found Jesus and all of that. Uh, and really got in touch uh, uh, with the Spirit-filled life uh, through Jesus Christ. Because just having an academic understanding, uh, but not having the Spirit, uh, uh, is not good enough. Uh, that what we've got to have in our lives uh, is a covenant relationship with the Lord. To where that we're determined not to break it. But also resting comfortably in that wherever we fall short, He will make up for it. Where that sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And that's what Paul was talking about there in Romans when he said that. You look around and you try to say you don't have any sin and you're wrong. Now you're a liar. And Paul said, I thought I didn't have any sin until I found out I was a very covetous person. And then he said, wait a minute, if I'm that, then I'm guilty of having other gods before my God. I'm guilty of murder. I'm guilty of being a liar and a thief and an adulterer and all of these things. And then suddenly he realized how necessary a Savior was for him. And that's really what this world needs to realize. It's how necessary a Savior is. Every religion that you encounter. And I've heard this a lot lately. I don't know if I've just started noticing it or if it's just become more common. People saying, well, I'm spiritual. 
heard that a lot lately. Parents of students and stuff have been saying, yeah, I'm a very spiritual person. And I've had an occasion to say, well, what, what exactly does that mean? And I, I know it's a loaded question coming from a minister when you look at somebody and say, what do you mean by being spiritual? And, and, and the answers vary, but ultimately what it is is they look around and they feel good about stuff. Makes me feel good. I go out in nature and I look at the trees and I enjoy the splendor and all this. And essentially what it sounds like to me at best is a hollow endorsement of God. And at worst, what manner of spirits are they being filled with if they're being spiritual, quote unquote? I can tell you this, there's only one spirit that's good for you. And he's the Holy Spirit. And of course... We're in October, or as some people say, spooktober, or spooky season, and all of these things. And I can tell you this, I never liked Halloween. Even when I was a kid, I liked the candy. I didn't particularly like the way that people acted, and they wanted to run around with a mask on and offer this facade, and people that normally wouldn't act a particular way because it's Halloween, they act that particular way. And I wonder if putting the mask on really just reveals what's inside to begin with. What manner of spirit thereof. And you see, when we put God aside, when we don't put Him first in our lives, because remember the commandment is now, verses 4 and 5, and this is the same thing that Jesus said when somebody asked Him, well, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And He literally quotes Deuteronomy 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is what we're called to do. And anything short of that is not good enough. Anything less than that. You think about it, if somebody called you to do a job and you did 60% of it, would you expect for them to give you rave reviews? You know, as a teacher, I find it ironic that students will come to me and they'll say, why don't I have an A in your class? I say, because you didn't do anything. Well, I did some of it. Yeah. Some of it doesn't mean you're perfect. There was a young man that asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, keep the law. And the man said, I've done all that. And Jesus said, well, here's what you do if you want to be perfect. And he told him, you give to the poor. You get rid of all these things that are holding you back. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And you take up your cross and you follow Him. And said the man went away sorrowful. Because he couldn't do it. He wasn't willing to put it all on the line for God. In the very moment that we sit here and hear a sermon like this. And we sit here and say, it must be for somebody else. Then it's for you. The moment that we start checking things off of the list. Rather than looking and saying, I can do better. I can always do better. I can get closer. I can work harder. And I have to say, I have done that very thing listening to another preacher. Hear them say these things and start trying to tally up and then say, wait a minute. I know there are areas that I fall short. I fall short in my attitude often. I get angry far too frequently for at least my taste. And then when I go back and I look at all these commandments and I realize I've broken all of them. I've fallen short on all of them. My best effort is just not 
good enough. And then I remember that I have a Savior. And He is the one that gives me rest from the labor. And it's not just one day out of the week. It's all seven days out of the week. Every year. You see, God was big on rest. You remember I told you that every seventh year, He told them, let your, don't plant your fields. Let them lay. Let them rest. Give them that time of rest. And then there was a Sabbath of Sabbaths. 49 years and on the 50th year, that was referred to as the year of Jubilee. And I'll tell you, it was an amazing time because it said that anybody that was in bondage was to be set free. All debts were canceled. Land was returned to the original owners. This was a wonderful degree from the Most High God. What it really eliminated in a lot of instances was greed. And I think more than anything, it put things in perspective for the people that were there that God's saying, this ain't your land. And these aren't your people. They're my people. You might have a servant, but they're mine. And you got to remember, if you really want to keep things in perspective, you got to look around and say, none of this belongs to me. I'm just taking care of it. And I want to return it in better condition than what it was maybe when I found it. Well, as I can tell you, I've borrowed tools and things like that over the years, and I'm more careful with them than I am of. I'm very careful with them and try to take care of them. Like I said, want to bring them back in better shape than what I borrowed them in. Imagine if we started looking at everything in our life uh, to say, you know what, this is just something God's given me to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. And God, I want to use it as such. And then if you really truly want to be spiritual... A spirit-filled Christian is such a blessing to this world. Because they'll go around and number one, they'll be rightly dividing the word of truth. They'll not be beating people over the head with the word of God. They'll be doing their best to keep God's commandments knowing though that when they fall short that Christ will make up the difference and that it's all on Him. Because the moment that we think we're going to stand before the great white throne judgment, and maybe if they were to look at you, point their finger right in your face and say, what makes you think you're going to heaven? You ever ask yourself that question? Why do you think you're going to heaven? If you say any phrase that starts with I, you don't get it. You've already messed up. It's because of Christ. That any of us are going to go to heaven. Not because, oh well, I remembered the Sabbath to keep it holy. And maybe you did. Maybe you checked off all the Ten Commandments. But even at that, that just brings you to zero. There's no reward in justice. You see, all of this is about trying to stay right before God. Because Jesus finished and told him, said, The second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. I can tell you now that's a hard one to do. The man that, that Jesus told that to, he said, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then after he gets done, he says, well, who's neighbor to the man who fell among the thieves? He said, the one that showed mercy to him. And then Jesus said, well, then go and do likewise. Do the same thing. Be merciful. Be kind. Be gracious. Because your Lord is kind and merciful and gracious to you that the next time that we're ready 
to unload on somebody, we need to remember that the Lord had every right to unload on us, and He didn't. He was merciful. He was gracious. He was patient. And that's what we need to be because that's what we need. And in order to be Christ-like, we need to be gracious and merciful. And how does one... How is one better able to do that? Well, I can tell you this. If you're well rested, when you remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, keep it as a day of rest. How easy it is. Well, I was tired. That's why that I got mad and said something I shouldn't have said. Acted in a way that I shouldn't have acted. And maybe you're overstressed and you need some rest. And whatever form that rest takes, ask God for it. I like how that David, when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, he said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know, I think that means sometimes he didn't know enough to know when he needed rest. Have you asked God, God, help me to rest. I just need to rest in you in whatever form that takes. I've honestly believed David wrote that psalm at a point in his life when he was sitting in the mouth of a cave being dogged by... King Saul at that time. But it wasn't an easy time in his life. But he was looking to God and he was encouraging himself in the Lord because he knew, hey, it ain't always going to be easy, but at least I've got this cave to rest in. At least I've got you, Lord, to rest in. Rest in Him if you're going to rest. That's awesome.